1: Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Carlos Kajina is our technical producer. Ryan White is our live stream producer. Check out my YouTube channel, Strange Planet, and my Rumble channel, Richard Serrett, Strange Planet. Whitley Strieber is uh, well-known as both a horror novelist and for his nonfiction work as someone who's experienced the paranormal. And uh, if you're not familiar with his book, Communion, you really need to to read that. And uh, also, uh, I hope you had an opportunity to hear Whitley on my program, or on, um, uh, well, this program about a year ago, actually, when he had just released, released Jesus, A New Vision. Uh, I was joined at that time with uh, by my co-host, special guest host, Victor Vigiani, and we uh, we had two hours, and, and Whitley really laid out the whole uh, incident that occurred December twenty sixth, nineteen eighty five, and uh, we have an hour tonight. We don't have time, obviously, to revisit that. So I'm encouraging you to go back, listen to the old program. Perhaps I'll uh, I'll, I'll pu- publish that as a podcast, and um, also read communion. But he's uh, featured pr- prominently in a, uh, a brand new documentary film directed by John Yost. It's titled Alien Abduction Answers. Uh, sorry, Alien Abduction Answers. And it uh, it receives its world premiere. In March at the Midwest Weird Fest in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, that's happening March 4th to the 6th. Here's a little uh, a little taste of that. It changed me.
2: This was something that I kept buried for years. Strange things would happen. I didn't want anything to do with it anymore.
0: He came at me and I fought for my life.
1: Ships started to pop up in the sky, and there's this bizarre disc of light. It is moving across the sky very fast.
2: The experience is often very terrifying. If I felt fear, I would crawl under my covers hoping that it would go away, whatever
0: it was. I know that we were put in that craft. I knew I was going to go to another planet. And the being was right next to my face. He saw two shadow beings. That's when I felt like I was going to die. I had a real encounter with something. Even if I had to live with the fear, is to know the truth. Is to know truth.
1: There you are. That's alien abduction. Answers again premiering in uh, March at the Midwest Weird Fest in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Here's what luminary UFO researcher Dr. Jacques Vallée says about Whitley Strieber in the film by articulating the ordeal of abduction in his uniquely brilliant and personal style. Whitley Strieber has allowed all of us to share in experiences that challenge ordinary reality and the meaning of life itself. He has given a voice to thousands of witnesses in ways that other analysts have failed to convey. Whitley Strieber, the author of over 30 best-selling books, including the best-selling account of his own close encounter, Communion, a true story. He also wrote The uh, Coming Global Superstorm with Art Bell. He's produced a television special based on his book Confirmation for NBC. Other works include Supernatural, A New Vision of the Unexplained, written with Professor Jeffrey Cripple, um, and uh, his Alien Hunter novels, were adapted for television and can be seen on the sci-fi channel. His website, the world's most popular site featuring topics at the age of science and culture is unknowncountry.com. And again, Whitley featured in the brand new documentary film Alien Abduction Answers. Whitley, welcome back to the program. How are you?
2: Uh, it's good to be back and I'm fine.
1: And it was great to speak with you. We had two hours last night on coast. That's this right. is kind of more of a, a truncated version. We have an hour. Um, and I mentioned that you were on the program before. It was actually last year, I think, after uh, yeah, the Jesus, right. a new vision came out with Victor out Vigiani. New vision. That's right, a new vision, and we had a, an opportunity to speak at length about your uh, ordeal in in uh, on December nineteen eighty-five. Yeah. Um, so I'm encouraging people to you know to go back and listen to that show, and hopefully they heard you on Coast as well last night. I just I wanted to jump ahead though and ask you because I mentioned Doctor Jacques Jacques Valet. And uh, he was uh, featured in a recent edition of Wired magazine, and and uh, he was interviewed, and he said that he really he has no idea what the whole UFO phenomenon is all about. At even at this point, still, no, he still has I no idea. Right. I, I, uh, well, I, I just want your comments on that.
2: Uh, I, I can tell you, uh, and, and I'm sure Jacques can too. We we we've known each other for many years, of course, and uh, we. Uh, What we think it's about, and I don't know if his what he thinks it may be about, and what I think it may be about are the same. But I mean, uh, Jacques is is one of the most interesting researchers out there because of the way he handles the ambiguity of the situation. We have, on the one hand, solid objects. some of the research that Jacques has presented publicly suggests that we even have, maybe have, we have some very strange materials uh, that that can't be manufactured on Earth. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was Jacques that did that research. And uh, yet at the same time, there's something very immaterial about all of this stuff. It's something, well, you know, I could, my way of Talking about this is in stories, and I can tell you a story that illustrates this the way it this lives kind of on the shadow line between the world that we know and apparently some other world that's right here that we don't. Um this is the story. This happened at the little cabin and my wife Ann and I used to own an in uh, upstate New York about 90 miles north of New York City the same place communion event happened this is about two, 2 or 3 years later we had begun having groups of people up to the cabin because it turns out that these visitors who had started to come back after I started walking out in the woods and trying to indicate my willingness to continue with them they did i mean they started coming back and so we had people up in so that other people could, you know, could encounter them, and that happened a lot. And one particular night was very special. Um, there were uh, in the in the my son and I were camping out in the woods because his bedroom was being used as a guest room because the house was packed. In one room was uh, a friend who's still very much with us, Raven Dana. In the next room was Anne's. Longtime secretary Laurie Barnes has passed on. Uh, Anne was upstairs, and uh, a filmmaker and his wife were in the living room on the convertible couch with a low light camera pointing down the hall. That was the situation in the house. Uh, Laurie had seen her her dead brother on the walking on the road. About uh, just about sunset, and this was this is one of the strangest things about the experience, the UFO experience, or the close encounter experience that people keeps people like Jock and me guessing. Uh, it, we knew by then, Ann and I did, that when someone would report the appearance of of a dead person, almost inevitably the visitors, the seeming aliens, would show up that night. So Anne and I were kind of expecting this to happen, and sure enough, sometime after midnight, uh, Raven Dana was awakened by something punching her on the shoulder. Uh, no, something something dropped down onto the bed. She opened her eyes, and it was. Uh, she thought it was a raccoon at first, but then she realized. That, you know, she was living, actually, in a fortress. that All the windows, uh, screens were screwed, closed, and everything. You couldn't, I was fairly obsessive about this at that time. And so then she goes, my God, it's one of Whitley's people. And then she heard it say, what can I do? Or something words to that effect. And she said you could walk down that hall, which is where the low-light camera was. I'm gonna. I don't want to disappoint anybody. We didn't get any imagery. Okay, so it goes down the hall and it wakes up Laurie Barnes, and they have a brief encounter. And Laurie Barnes tells it to go down the hall too. And the next thing you know, now it's uh, some time passes. It Laurie and Raven are both awake, but they don't communicate. They're you know they're not gonna. You're not going to fall asleep after the thing no. that happens. So then they hear a uh, shout in the living room, and it, it, this is just in the pre dawn. And what has happened is this the filmmaker woke up a little bit before dawn and saw what he described as a little man with a huge head looking down at him from beside the bed. And it scared the hell out of him. And then uh, this being's head turned into the head of a like a hawk and disappeared. And he and his wife were awake, you know, because they were talking about what they'd seen and they didn't know quite what to make of it because they certainly weren't expecting – they were Hollywood types. They weren't expecting this to be anything real in any way. And God knows when that's what's real, you're going to be pretty confused. So. Anyway, uh, dawn comes, and my son and I come walking up from the woods, which entails walking up a path and over a little hill, and then you can see the deck with our pool and uh, walkway, and then the front porch going off uh, uh, from the deck. And uh, what happens is this. We see a hooded figure but it's not solid, it's translucent. It comes out of the out of the front door, comes down the porch, crosses the deck and then goes off into the woods racing wildly between the trees. In other words, it wasn't a ghost or it wouldn't have had to avoid the trees. Right, right. So Whatever it was, and we get into the house, and the filmmaker and his wife are on their feet because the um something has blasted the bed with so much heat that it it frightened them they thought the bed had caught on fire, and that was happened when this thing left, and I discussed this. Extensively with some scientists, and uh, because it was a, there, there was no question that this happened. It, it wasn't a, 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 a group hallucination or anything. The people weren't even in the same room together when it happened. So here's what apparently happened. Whatever this entity was, it could bend light, but in order to do that, and that was why it could make itself invisible. In order to do that, it would have had to have control of a very powerful gravity field that would surround its body so that the light would go around it and you wouldn't see it. And when that control was released, it would have, re- it would have been collecting a lot of heat. The energy would, would have been generating a lot of heat. That heat was what, when it b- began to leave realized that we were coming in and it was going to have to get out of the house because otherwise there was going to be too many people around. Someone was going to walk into it. Uh, it released some of the energy as heat. That's what they felt, the filmmaker and his wife felt. Then it was translucent to myself and my son because it was uh, it hadn't completely released all of the heat. It wasn't completely visible. It was still using its protective invisibility to a degree. Now, you put all of that together, and then you understand very clearly why Jacques Mallet says he does not know what what this is all about. I don't either. Because what was the dead? Here's the story that, that, that started it all, is Laurie Barnes and the dead brother. She's walking along the road in the evening, having an evening walk, Uh, and suddenly there's her brother, who she hasn't seen in years, because he disappeared 20 years before, and was declared dead by the FBI. And then suddenly there is standing big as life in this brown sort of monk's cowl, and she says, oh my God, Uh, come down and meet my friends. And... He smiles and he said, "I just says, I just wanted to let you know I'm all right," and he kind of drifts back into the woods and disappears and if you read the letters that we got thousands of letters, and quite a few of them have incidents in them where a person's dead their dead friends and so forth. Well, that
1: happened. To, that happened to you as well, Whitley, because uh, yeah. again, that part of that—the night of the twenty-sixth of December, nineteen eighty-five—you saw a friend that you yeah. had known from grade school, who later went on to join the CIA, right? And you th- and you thought that you know he was involved in you know you were having some kind of a psychotic episode, or or maybe you know, there I were I don't know I you were drugged, drugged, you were being punished uh, for some of your uh, a previous book. Uh, that may have upset the, the Reagan administration. You thought that maybe he, as part of the CIA, was in on this. You you uh, you called his brother and found out that he, too, had died the previous year. So, yeah, again, there's right. that thread.
2: That's right. Well, I was paranoid as hell. I, mean, I was grasping at straws at that point because I had seen him there, and it, it, big as life, and he even talked to me extensively about the stealth aircraft which were very top secret and he was saying that the exhaust manifold on these aircraft was effective and they were going to catch fire and i didn't know you know i don't know anything about airplanes i knew they existed that was a that cell planes existed but they were a deep dark secret at that time and it turns out that later on i think one or two of them did crash did catch fire and they did have to Rebuild the exhaust manifold, if I'm not correct, and I might I might not be. I I don't know. I did, it's not something I, I don't keep up with technology. I'm no good at it. All I can do is break computers. Uh, so, uh, but he was there, and so that was that was the first indication of this connection, and that means to me that this is not an, what we would think of as aliens from another planet. This is something way weirder than that, way weirder. Uh-huh. And Absolutely. you know, Jacques acknowledges that he's right.
1: The uh, the new uh, documentary is "Alien Abduction Answers," and directed by filmmaker John Yost, and that is premiering uh, March fourth to the sixth. There's a um, a film festival in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and. um, is that the the what is that called the mid the Midwest Weird Fest the Midwest Weird Fest, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, March fourth to the sixth. Um, we're heading into a break here, so I just want to throw this question out, and we'll address it after. But I wanted to ask you; I didn't have a chance to ask you on coast last night. And uh, when you wrote communion, and somehow something happened, you know, you, the publisher got a hold of it, and uh, you later went on to meet uh, a, a Bud Hopkins before the book came out, obviously, but. Um, and and he tried to turn you on to uh, you know hypnosis uh, in order to um, you know unbury these these memories of of what happened that night. Something happened with with you and Bud after the communion came out. He, he he got upset with you, and I've never quite understood what that was about. Can we just touch on that when we come back? Sure. All right, Whitley Strieber stays with us, the author of Communion. 30 other amazing pieces of work. Unknowncountry.com is the website. We'll come back and uh, discuss further. Stay with us. Ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen the captain has turned on the fasten
0: seatbelt sign. We're now crossing a zone of turbulence. Please return your seats and food trays to their upright position and make sure your carry-on luggage is safely stowed. You're about to leave everything you know behind. This is Richard Saratz's strange planet strange planet
1: I call it the miracle molecule carbon 60 or C60 from my good friends at Evo C60 I take a tablespoon every morning it delivers more than 172 times the power of vitamin C C60 is a known antiviral, antioxidant, antibacterial, anti-inflammatory, and it's a remedy that works. C60 Evo can slow down the aging process by reducing cellular damage. C60 Evo users consistently enjoy better sleep and wake up feeling refreshed. I sleep like a baby. I have no aches or pains. Zero. I'm 58 and I don't have a gray hair on my head and I have boundless energy. Get your miracle molecule in a bottle. C60 from c60evo.com slash Richard hyphen Serret. Use the coupon code EVRS at checkout and save 10%. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. If you have a medical concern, please contact your healthcare provider. Have you subscribed to my newsletter yet? It's fast, easy, and absolutely free. Just go to my website, strangeplanet.ca, strangeplanet.ca, and then click on subscribe. All I need is your email address, and that's it. Then, once a month, you'll receive my newsletter, Inner Sanctum, in your email inbox. The Inner Sanctum contains a monthly brief, a column of my analysis of the news and opinions. There's a This Month in UFO or Conspiracy History, A look ahead to an upcoming episode of this radio program, a book club, my podcast pick of the month, a spotlight on a previous guest, and much more. Join the Strange Planet community by signing up for your free subscription to Inner Sanctum. Again, go to strangeplanet.ca, strangeplanet.ca, and click on subscribe. It's a strange planet. Welcome back back.
0: to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet.
1: had this feeling that i was being watched i know that we were put in that craft i knew i was going to go to another planet i was having experiences that were
0: unexplainable that's what astrogens began He saw two shadow beings walking through our hallway his head started to turn and the being was right next to my face this is not a dream this is real that's when i felt like i was going to die but what are they what are they there for Because
1: they mean something. You all thought I was crazy. Who's crazy now? There you go. That's the uh, teaser from Alien Abduction. Answers directed by John Yost and uh, featuring our guest tonight, Whitley Strieber. And this is premiering in uh, March at the Midwest Weird Fest in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. That's happening March 4th and 6th of this year. Uh, so I wanted to ask you about your relationship uh, with Bud Hopkins because uh, after this happened uh, on the, in December of uh, 1985, and um, you decided to go meet with Bud Hopkins. He he lived not, not too far away from you in, in uh, Manhattan, and um, then he, I guess, put you on to, as a Dr. Donald Klein, the uh, forensic hypnotherapist who would help you sort of piece all of this together, yeah. what happened to you that night. Uh, and then yep. Communion came out, when, in which you told the story of what happened. And something happened between your writing and the publication of it, and it up upset Bud.
2: Well, and, it it did upset so, Bud, and I'll tell you what it was. Um, well, there, there were two things. First, Bud had a, a very specific idea about what was going on. He felt like this was about people from another planet coming here, and exploiting us and and engaging in scientific experiments with us and he was he did not think this was good, but was a he was a man with a a very big heart he was a very feeling man and a very smart man as well. He also had a fabulous sense of humor and a wonderful store of jokes. He was a fun guy to be with in my experience and in any case but but this was his mindset. And we, we got involved with Jacques Vallée and his book, Passport to Magonia, which points out, shows cases from, I mean, when I say we, I mean me and Anne, cases going back thousands of years of similar events happening. Not to say that this has been the same for thousands of years, because it hasn't. It's much more intense now than it was ever before. But it's something, there's something about it that kind of fits into our mythology. And, and Bud just absolutely, that was not something he approved of. And my my references to that in Communion bothered him a lot. He, he ah. thought the book was too over the top. But then something happened that was a disaster. Because I, I really loved Bud, and I, I loved being with him, and so did Ann. He was a wonderful man. But what happened was this. For reasons known only to the publisher of my book, they secretly sent it out to the bookstores without telling the bookstores or me that it was going out. And Bud had expected that... He, he had a book call, coming coming out, too, and he had expected that we would publish our books simultaneously and go on the road together. But then suddenly six weeks or something before his book was due to come out, my book appeared in the stores. And he thought I had shafted him. He thought I had done it. And he never would divert divert from that belief. And I can I can't blame him, I mean because all I could do was say that you know I didn't I was blindsided, I didn't know it was gonna happen. Which but it ruined our relationship, unfortunately.
1: And oh, that's that what is unfortunate.
2: Hopkins and me.
1: That is so that, unfortunate.
2: That does not mean I don't respect his work and his efforts, and and love him as a human being. Because those things are all true, also.
1: Yeah. Uh, but this this idea that this is obviously uh, you know far more than just extraterrestrials coming from another planet. There are so many other elements here. Elements of perhaps the supernatural. Yeah, exactly. um, you know, visitations from people that have passed on that seem but, to be.
2: But idea uh, that was all of that stuff was just static and noise and stuff thrown up by them to make it seem like something that it wasn't. That was his right. position. And who knows? I'm not saying he was wrong. I'm only saying that what we can see suggests that it's much stranger than that
1: uh yeah and and a, a permanent part of our reality i mean not only throughout history but it's it's there um
0: yeah, it's i think john yost said it's,
1: it's like only certain people manage to sort of accidentally bump into it uh but it's there for all of us it's part of our existence right
2: right that well yeah we were talking about that on coast and i i brought up the story of the the crowd of people who were with these aliens, apparent aliens, on the roadside and uh, in, in Queens. And there's just something going on here that, that we, we don't quite get. And Bud thought we did get it, and everything that was said contrary to aliens coming here in flying saucers and screwing with people was wrong. And I don't believe it. I'll tell you another story that that is that is really a really a deep and and uh, in some ways a heartrending but beautiful story. Um, I got a call from my agency, from the William Morris Agency, who was my agent at the time, um, about saying that there was this man who was desperate to reach me. And I thought to myself, you know, if he's gone so far as to find my agency, this is before the internet. You couldn't just Google somebody. This guy really wants to reach me, and I'm not hard to reach anyway. I correspond with people, email and stuff all the time, and I've never been one to to shut myself away uh, from people. So I called the guy, and this is the story he told. His he was sitting in his living room with his wife about 10.30 at night, 11 o'clock at night. Their elderly dog was asleep on the hearth. Their little boy, seven years old, was asleep in his bedroom upstairs. The dog became nervous, which was very unusual, and wanted to go out a second time that night, which was highly unusual. So the wife gets the little dog leashed up and takes him out, and as she's opening the front door she sees a fireball go across the sky and disappear behind the trees. And she calls out to her husband, You're gonna get a phone call soon because there's I just saw a plane going in on fire and he's it with the he was with the uh FAA and so he um uh, you know, they, they he would have been involved if there'd been a crash. The next moment though their little seven-year-old comes running downstairs saying, Mommy, Daddy, Mommy, Daddy. Joey just came into my room with these little men, and he told me to tell you that he's all right. And uh, the man called me because he wanted to know if there was any reason whatsoever to believe that what his son had said might have actually happened because the older boy had been killed in a car accident the week before.
0: Ah, wow.
2: And I could say to him truthfully, and I believe that that happened. I mean, a seven-year-old doesn't just dream something like that up. I don't think he can. In other words, he doesn't have anything, any information in his mind, especially not then that would enable him to come up with something like that, because the idea of apparent aliens and the dead being intermixed was just not in the world at the time at all. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I think it was real. And Bud just, no, no, he couldn't handle it.
1: It's it's far more than just, uh, you know, uh, I guess sci fi tropes, if you will, and gray aliens coming down and taking yeah. aboard people and flying off to another planet it's so it much cool more complex if that than that
2: part of it though wouldn't it I'd love to fly off to another, another <laughs> planet if I could come back, and if it would be a place where I could survive and see it i'd love I bet everybody listening would love to see it too, something like that too would be incredibly cool.
1: But Whitley, we're gonna we're gonna take another uh, timeout. We'll come back. Whitley Strieber stays with us, and again, the uh, the new documentary is Alien Abduction Answers, directed by John Yost, premiering at the Midwest Weird Fest in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, March fourth and 6th. Back with more of our conversation right after these.
0: As you're staring up at the night sky, ever wonder who's staring back? You're listening to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet.
1: It's time to try the tea everyone's talking about. Nothing does what Life Change Tea does. They have no competition. Life Change Tea helps support a healthy body. It tastes great and leaves you feeling refreshed every day. I can't get enough of my pomegranate super tea. I brew two gallons at a time and let it steep in the fridge overnight. Enough to last me the entire week. And every morning I have a 16-ounce glass of this amazing GMO non-caffeinated herbal tea. It keeps me regular by providing a gentle cleanse every day. I'm never gassy or bloated, and good health begins with a healthy gut. This pomegranate super tea is not available in any store. You need to go to getthetea.com. Go to getthetea.com. Use the code UNLIMITED, and all your orders ship for free. All of them. It's time to get your tea from getthetea.com. You can become an official Patreon supporter of my work here at Strange Planet Productions by donating a monthly amount through patreon.com forward slash strange planet, patreon.com forward slash strange planet. There are several tiers to choose from. Pick which one is right for you, but any monthly amount is greatly appreciated. As a sign of my appreciation, you can have your name mentioned on air during my weekly radio show, or you could have your name included in a crawl on my YouTube channel live stream. You could also receive episodes of my old podcast, The Rock and Roll Twilight Zone. This critically acclaimed podcast, produced in partnership with Chris Jericho, is not currently available anywhere else. If you enjoy this podcast or my weekly radio program, The Conspiracy Show, you can really get behind me and my work by donating once a month at patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Patreon.com forward slash strange planet. We're back with Whitley Strieber and uh, we're talking about the abduction phenomenon. Whatever this is, and this phenomenon is, that it's far more complex than extraterrestrials, but it seems to be a permanent part of our existence, a, a part of life, who we are, what we are. Why certain people? Why you? Why not me? Is there something about your makeup? Why certain people are able to see these things and experience these things, and others will never?
2: Well, that's a good question. Uh, I certainly have <laughs> thought a lot about that. There is some research. I believe it's... Um Gary uh, Gary Nolan was interviewed about this research recently, and he, what he's done is he's examined the brains of people who have had these experiences and found that there are some brain structures that are a little different from most people's. And it could be that that is because people happen to be born this way, that they can see something actually happens more often than we would think, that maybe it happens more often to more people, and it, unless you just happen to be born this way, you don't realize it. You know, we were talking again last night on our coast about missing time, yes. and it might be that people have a lot more missing time than they realize, and they just don't notice it, and that this is just part of life, and we're just becoming to realize that things are not what they seem at all in this world, which is a, a really cool speculation, but there could be other reasons, like uh, I happened to be in sort of the right place at the right time, I guess. And i would had this experience as a child, apparently, although I've not ever been sure about that. And if you talk to most of the people who have had the experience, the abduction or another type of close encounter, it's usually something that goes back in their childhoods. And as often as not, it's also familiar, although I don't think it was in my case i don't think my parents were had anything like this happen to them.
1: well in terms of right place right time your your vacation home in kingston new york where this took place in december 26 1985 is there something is that considered part of the hudson valley because i mean that has long been kind of a hot spot for
2: well the the hot spot is on the other side of the river and Dutch in uh Dutchess County that's where the Hudson Valley UFO sightings were but yeah this is part of the Hudson Valley I was in part of the Hudson Valley just south of of Kingston south of the Catskills in an area called the Shangham Mountains but the thing that's interesting about that area where I was is there's a huge seam of iron under it and I've always had the sense that it was something about that unusual geologic structure that made it easier for this to manifest itself physically than it can in other places or something like that. I mean, I just, I thought there might be some connection. Let me put it that way, but I can't tell
1: you that I know what it was. I wonder how Bud Hopkins would have felt about that. I mean, it does. It just further muddies the water in a sense, doesn't it? It makes it even far more complex when we start thinking about, you know, soil composition and, and uh, what does that have to do with you know, all of this? Um, I want to uh, go to the YouTube live chat. Uh, YY uh, writes, Whitley, was Wolfen based on a personal experience? And why did you write it?
2: It wasn't based on, uh, oh, but it was. Wait a minute. I know, but that, I, that jogged my memory. Uh, of course it was. I, yeah, I'll tell you how, what happened. I, we were living, Ann and I were living on uh, West 76th Street, I think just off of Central Park, on Central Park West at the time. And I was working in the advertising business. I, I w- had not yet become a published writer. And I had a bout of insomnia. And I was awake at the, in the night a lot. And one night I decided I would take a walk because it was a beautiful neighborhood. And I walked over to Central Park West, which is borders the park. And we're walking along the wall at, uh, on the park side and I came to 72nd Street where you can walk into the park and I thought you know it's street lights and I'll, I'll walk through the park nobody is there any muggers hanging out in the park to starved to death right I mean there's no <laughs> nobody's out there so I walked on into the park and I ended up uh, on the literary walk that is uh, it, it gets Heads into Bethesda Fountain, and I'm walking along. And it's dark, and I'm you know I'm thinking to myself, "What a fool you've been!" <laughs> now I'm scared. You know, I, it, it's too dark, and but I'm walking along, and um, I realize that there's something is shadowing me, and I think to myself, "Oh my! Now what?" Now I'm walking pretty fast, and I'm I'm heading back to the to the to get. I want to get out of there r- right quick, and this. It's obviously animals, and there's a lot of them. And as I come at some point into a street light, it's a bunch of shaggy street dogs, feral Hmm. dogs. And I don't think they were hostile. They were just probably would love to have gotten petted and fed. But when I got home, I thought about them. I was sad for them on the one hand. On the other hand, it was so scary. For a minute there, I I could have easily believed it was a pack of wolves. And that's where the idea of the wolf started.
1: Fantastic insights. Wonderful. Great question, Why, why? Thank you for, uh, for yeah, tweaking that for memory. Yeah,
2: for dragging my <laughs> memory, <laughs> listener, because I almost forgot about it. It's been so long <laughs> since I told that story, but it's that's how it started. There you go.
1: All right, we'll take a quick time. I'll come back. More questions from the YouTube live chat and uh, more conversation. Whitley Strieber, again, the new documentary, Alien Abduction, Answers. The truth goes through three stages. First, it is ridicule. ridicule. Second, it is
0: violently opposed. Third, it is accepted as self-evident. You're listening to Richard Serrett's Strange Planet.
1: And a few minutes remain with Whitley Strieber. UnknownCountry.com is the website... And uh, we're talking about, among other things, the new film Alien Abduction: Answers, directed by John Yost. Whitley features prominently in the film. There, there came a point when you were no longer frightened of these visitations by these, you know, these blue trolls and these insectoid type creatures with the big eyes. If you were speaking with someone who had recently been traumatized by an abduction or a visitation. What would you what would you say to them in order to help them transition from the fear into uh, I don't know, a, kind of this state of enlightenment or well, this maturation process?
2: I, I don't think you're gonna you're gonna succeed if you try to suppress the fear. It's real and it's there, and this is it feels often very like much like a dangerous experience. And the hard part of it is that. You can't necessarily do anything to change it, stop it. I mean, people have all kinds of things they you know prayers and this and that, but not to say it there's no point in trying but uh when the thing is a physical experience, they're in control. Let me put it that way uh i I learned to live with the fear as my partner, not to p- suppress it. And that made me very careful. But I made the decision that I was going to do this. And I went out in the woods night after night doing it. And it was often very scary. I didn't see them but once or twice in all that time. But when I did, it was really incredible. The one time that was most incredible was... When I I woke up because there was a sound like a great horn sounding over the over the woods near the house. It's about this is a February morning. I think it was a, must have been eighty nine or ninety, maybe eighty eight. I don't remember the exact date. Uh, and I thought that can't be anything but them because nothing it's nothing around here is going to make a noise like that. It was cold. And I pushed dried slippers and rove on and went outside and I went on to the uh I went past that deck I talked about a little while ago and up the little hill and then I could see down in the through the naked woods this winter naked woods, I could see this dark shape in a little uh little clearing that was beyond these woods. And there were dark. There were figures standing beside it. I couldn't make them out, but they were there. I could could tell they were there in the pre-dawn, just barely coming light. And I stopped, and because I had, you know, my house behind me, and my family in the house, and my wife and our our little boy, and these total unknown experience ahead of me. And then I hear in my head, and I'll explain in a minute why that happened and why I heard this sound, because I know what the technology is now. Oh, this voice go very rough. Voice go, come on, come on, and uh, you know you hear something like that, and you're not necessarily going to do, going to come on. And this was my fear, walking beside me, telling me, no, don't, don't be a fool. Uh, that voice does not sound like something you're going to want, somebody you're going to have a good time with. So you just, just go it, guy. Then the fear wasn't gone. The fear was, was helping me. My fear was my friend at that moment. So I turn around and I go back to the house. But now this experience is so rich and so complex. Another level unfolds. I put my hand on the doorknob and I hear from above the woods three cries that remain to this day the most emotionally complex, richest, saddest sounds I have ever heard uttered in my life. I go into the house. I go and I'm sitting on my bedside and suddenly I'm aware of the fact that there's some some invisible presence in the house, because these in, they would come in the house invisibly, and we could all, at least Anne and I, and the, certainly the cats, were well, well aware of their presence when they were mm. in the house. And so we, I knew this thing was in the house right there. And the next thing I knew, I'm sort of gliding along in this strange room with these tall sort of stick sticking up and i'm trying to figure out what the hell has happened now and then i suddenly i recognize where i am i'm in my mother's bedroom as it existed when i was a baby they have taken me back and opened up something in the deep corners of my mind to the point where i first walked i first took my first steps and then it's over And I'm left sitting there thinking, God, shouldn't I have not listened to my fear and gone down there? And today, this day, I do not know whether I made the right decision or not. But I do know this. They at least left me with two things. With three things. One, there's somebody very rough and tough involved in this. Two, there is someone with a higher level of emotions than we have. And three... They have extraordinary powers of mind, and they they communicate using those powers of mind. You know, I was told when I was sitting on that bed and plunged back into my babyhood, I was told, Whitley, you just took your first step. Uh-huh. Aha. <laughs> wow. So that's wow. what it's like to live in this experience. It's not like living normal life and Uh, fear is gonna always be an important part of it, and for many years and generations, because we're all, we, whether we know it or not, we are all doing this together. We're in this together. We are in contact with whatever this is, and we're gonna do this together. And as the species becomes more and more confident in its relationship with this, the fear will drop all of our fear, not just mine or yours, but everyone. We're, it will be a community journey, and that's another reason, Ann, called the book Communion, because it's about community as well.
1: Right, right. Uh, it's so complex. It's so incredibly yeah. complex. Um, I just have time for one quick question. Let me see here. Well, Everyone wants to talk to you about communion, of course. Uh, yeah. Not Gordian asks how accurate the movie the movie version of communion was the one with uh, Christopher Walken uh it, it,
2: i wouldn't say it was accurate it, it they tried of course i mean but they didn't have enough money for the special effects and uh i think there was a general feeling on the set that it was all a big joke kind of and they i wrote a script but they didn't use much of the script and that's unfortunate uh, they, yeah, uh, but it, it's. But I will say this in the in in the defense of the film, it it communicates the flavor of the experience very well. It does. It definitely does.
1: Solar Warden the, asks, any plans for a remake?
2: The sense of mystery and the sense of threat and the weirdness that that comes across in the film pretty clearly.
1: Okay, uh, Solar Warden asks if there's any any.
2: Well, there was a. One of the cable channels was going to do a uh, was going to do a series based on communion, and we were pretty far along with it until some exec says, "Hey, wait a minute! This is this BS guy with the aliens. Get rid of it." So that got tossed out the window. But maybe someone will catch it on the way down, because uh, after all, uh, the number of people who have that attitude toward this is dropping. And the number of people who are willing to listen and take a look at it is rising. And communion is out there, ready to be made into a series at any time.
1: Fantastic. Well, and I think if people, or once they see alien abduction answers, that's going to go a long way of moving the needle as well. Because uh, the people that are featured in this documentary, these are... these are yeah. our neighbors. These are our friends. These are not just some you know, people over there that this happened to. It's They, they it, represent all of us. It is really. by and far the, the most powerful documentary about the abduction
2: experience and the most intelligent, in my opinion, that I've ever seen.
1: All right. Well, kudos to you, Whitley, and also everyone, of course, who participated in the film, and uh, director John Yost. And uh, again, that's premiering at the Midwest Weird Fest in Eau Claire, wisconsin march 4th and 6th whitley always a delight i hope we can do this again soon
2: thank you very much it's always a delight for sure
1: whitley straber unknowncountry.com check out uh, his fabulous website unknowncountry.com all right when we come back u.s attorney john o'connor and uh hillary clinton and her campaign was she in fact spying on the trump campaign and the trump white house that story next If you're a fan of this radio program and the Strange Planet podcast, why not show it off by wearing Strange Planet apparel or drinking from a Strange Planet mug? Check out all the great Strange Planet merch in my Strange Planet shop. Just go to the website, strangeplanet.ca, strangeplanet.ca, and click on shop in the menu. There's a huge selection of men's and women's t-shirts. You like crop circles or the Mayan calendar? Gotcha covered. Are you into the Anunnaki? Wait till you see these designs. My favorite right now, lions do not lose sleep over the opinions of sheep. And one of our bestsellers right now, Truth Gets You Crucified, on the front, and a passage from Matthew chapter 23 on the back. So many great t-shirt designs, I don't know where to begin. There's women's leggings and tote bags, and of course, mugs. Great gifts for family and friends who listen and love this show. My Strange Planet shop. Visit today and often. Just go to strangeplanet.ca.